All right, cool. Well, let's get into it. You ready? Yeah. I'm yeah. still bothered by that comment. But your beard looks amazing in the Thank light. Thank you. you oil it? Of course. Did you comb it today or something? Why course, is it I all like per- perfectly? It's just, it's the way it is. Hmm. I'm a master no. of my craft. Craft. Craft beer. Craft singles. Okay. Robert Craft. Okay. <clears throat> what are we talking about? Welcome back, Beer Leavers, to the Don't Stop Beer Leaving Podcast. That's Michael. I'm Chris. It's good to have you all back here for our episode five of the podcast. Yep. Michael, how are you doing today? It is good to have you back on the show. Yeah. No, I'm doing fantastic, actually. I'm super excited. I didn't realize we're at five already. That's kind of like a like a rounded number, you know. You milestone, milestone yeah. number. Here we I go. I feel like every time we come on, we go, "Wow, oh, I can't believe it's already three. <laughs> can't believe it's already four. But I'm sure we'll keep we'll keep saying that. Oh, um, you know, that's yeah. gonna be a thing now. It <laughs> is. Well, it is now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks to everyone who has provided feedback to the podcast so far. We really appreciate it. Uh, we've given given some shout outs in the past, small ones. Jack Beatty mm-hmm. for the awesome recommendations and things of that nature. Keep sending them our way, whether it's a DM to the Instagram page or at our email address, which you can find in the description below. Um, as always, uh, you know, hit that subscribe button for the content, ring the bell for notifications about future episodes. Um, but it's really great to have everyone here talking about beer, learning more about beer. Um, and it's like Michael likes to say, you know, getting more intimate with what we're drinking, right? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's an audible thing to know your, your craft or to know mm-hmm. anything about anything. Um, once you <laughs> get more intimate with a subject... Sure. Uh, you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole whole point about becoming, or at least for me, about becoming a beer professional is that um, this is a this is an art, and the more I know about it, the more I can respect it, I can res- uh, appreciate what goes on behind it, and I can educate other people about what they can really fully get out of the beverage. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. More intimate. Fine. More intimate <laughs> with your beer. That is absolutely, you know, perfectly fine. Um <laughs> But yeah, we have a great episode planned today. We obviously are going to talk about the challenge of last week mm-hmm. and see what you guys brought to the table. As always, we want to hear what you were able to go out and find. So leave a comment on the video or again, email us, DM us with what you found. Uh, we really want to experience what you guys have been able to discover through Michael's challenges. Mm-hmm. So for sure. um, before we get into that, though, you know, we've um, obviously uh, been doing this for a bit now and uh, we don't always get a chance to to talk about maybe some some beer things that we've specifically done ourselves the past week or two. You know, mm-hmm. obviously we were together last week recording, but did you get to experience anything the past week? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I always am on the search for you know a beer release um, or just like beer news. Yeah. Um, actually, I was this this is pretty relevant right now because of the upcoming Super Bowl um, last year. If you didn't notice, Big Beer was and Big Beer being Anheuser Busch Coors. We're, we're sending out these ads, targeted ads. Um, remember the Bud Night? That was a big thing for them. Sure. Um, and it was around the Super Bowl time where they really came to a head. And what people don't realize is that that actually kind of you know, hurt beer as a whole. Um, and, I, and I'm referencing, actually, there's this podcast that I was listening to uh, only about a few weeks ago uh, by the journal, the Wall Street Journal. And it was describing how there was a movement for all of beer to just kind of create this um, approachable brand for beer. 
because uh, 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 craft beer was kind of uh, taking away the market share for for big beer. And so with the acquisitions of big beer, uh, they want to just kind of help each other out. Yeah. Um, so what's really interesting is that they, they created this kind of got beer movement, kind of like got milk mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess Anheuser-Busch wasn't fully on board with it because when they ran that ad, if you don't remember, they ran the ad stating the uh, the four ingredients of beer that they create, you know, uh, that they use to create their beer, uh, hops, barley, um, uh, water, and yeast. And they specifically targeted Coors Light, saying that Coors Light's made with um, uh, corn syrup. Yeah. And what that did was the mentality of everybody hearing the word corn syrup, which is totally fine to use in beer, especially for creating, you know, uh, lagers like like the ones they create. And as a qualifier, high fructose corn syrup is not the same thing well, ex- as corn syrup. Exactly. Right? And that's what yeah. people were thinking. They're like, oh, they heard corn syrup. They heard high fructose corn syrup, yeah, yeah. which is you don't want to drink that. And so that like hurt the entire campaign. I guess they, they stopped doing it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and which let really craft beer thrive. But a lot of people, um, and if you listen to the podcast, there's one point that was interesting is that if you're just a TV watcher and you see, oh, um, you know, Anheuser-Busch doesn't use corn syrup, they, I should probably drink them. That, that could be your takeaway. Or the takeaway could be just, oh, beer in general is bad. Beer has high fructose corn syrup. Or yeah. beer has, yeah. And so it, it kind of hurt the market, but it kind of helped craft because craft, you're able... Uh, you know, being such a small scale and being intimate with the <laughs> intimate with the customer. There you go. <laughs> um, being one on one with a customer, you can describe and really have that conversation. Whereas big beer, they're just churning them out. Yeah, and we'll dive into that here. I think a little bit on this episode in regard to maybe the impact that, that might have or might have had on the political climate of beer. Oh, I sure. think specifically, maybe even seltzers. We can talk a little bit about and how that you know kind of the health conscious mindset of a lot of people today That's good. is driving people away from beer a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll link to that podcast below mm-hmm. so you guys can take a listen for yourself. It's yeah. really, really well done. It's an excellent um, snapshot and summary of that campaign ad and how kind of the big beer brands um, initially were trying to work together a little bit, which was mm-hmm. a kind of a new thing in and of itself, but then how that fell apart through that ad campaign. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are some of the most popular ads for beer these days, specifically big beer. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, the Bud, Bud Light Night is kind of, you know, the thing you see on TV all the time. If you watch TV, it seems like there's a Bud Light Night commercial. Oh, yeah, of course. Every other commercial. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see with the Super Bowl coming up again in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, what, what that's going to do. You know, where, where are we going to go? I'm with curious. That? Yeah, because we've had quite the, uh, um, you know, quite the iteration here of, of those ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had various, you know add-ons to that and things of that nature sure sure sure. but uh, we'll also link to those commercials if you haven't seen them so you can kind of get an idea for what that did and what they actually were were imposing upon Coors and Miller with that ad yeah it was very interesting very interesting stuff so before we dive into that though the challenge of last week let's get into what the challenge of last week was and see what you guys were able to bring to the table so as a quick refresher Michael had challenged everybody to go out there and find another Barrel aged beer, right? Not necessarily a style because it could have been, it, but yeah. the challenge is really to try to get you out of that beer style yeah. and find something else that was barrel aged that was mm-hmm. not a stout. So, uh, what were you able to find, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Well, before I go into that, is just um, okay. the whole idea is what I was talking about last week is that there's relationships now between breweries and wineries now, mm-hmm. and um, there, there are some beers that really open up being in a, being in a Chardonnay barrel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually Grisette by Manor Hill, where okay. I work. Um, it's 
an old farmhouse style, um, and I think it's a Belgian, Belgian farmhouse style. Um, slow regard by look. Manor Hill. There you go. Uh, so this is aged in a barrel for several months, and it's nothing special. It's not. And it's, I don't think we use a wine barrel for this or a bourbon barrel or anything. I think it was fresh oak barrels just to to get that like kind of funk. Yeah. Um, I used the descriptor horse blanket before. I think I used the descriptor farmhouse before. It's a farmhouse ale. Um, you're just trying to uh, really take advantage of the wild yeast um, in, in, in the barrel already um, and just get that oakness to it, too. So this is actually a pretty mild farmhouse in terms of what it can be in terms of the style. Um, you're looking for peppery phenols, um, things that are kind of funky, kind of like, ooh, hmm. Uh, are you sure this beer's not going bad? It's a little sour. That's exactly what you're supposed to be looking okay. for, actually. That's part of the style. You mentioned so. one thing a second ago. You mentioned wild yeast. Are you telling wild me that, that there are yeast living actually in these oak barrels that's I mean, just there? Yeast is kind of every, any, everywhere. So really? back in the beginnings of beer in the BC areas, when people were, were creating beer and letting it ferment, they mm-hmm. would just leave it out and it would ferment. And they didn't know exactly why. I mean, they weren't scientists back then, but they... I mean, that's exactly what it was. There's just yeast suspended in the air. That, yeah. Uh, if you ever looked at a grape, like a freshly, or not even a grape, just a fruit that you pick, pick mm-hmm. off the tree, that kind of, um, I don't want to say film, but that like bust Pollen, on Pollenish. It, that's yeast. Yeah. That's, that is brewer's yeast right there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. So is that, so is yeast that is used now gathered through that means, or is it, basically produced in some other i have no idea where yeast even comes from oh like, sure i mean now i mean i mean it can be wildly harvested like that i know okay. of a few breweries um that started their own cultures and they, they would they would actually i don't know how they actually harvested it but when they started moving into their new new tap rooms they had the where the warehouse where they were aging their beer and they would create their own cultures of yeast and create mm-hmm. colonies um that they would then use but i mean that we have as a beer community, identified specific strains of yeast, um, Saccharomyces um, strains that are just like perfect for each t- type of beer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this obviously is an oak barrel. Yes. Um, yeah. Is it specifically? fresh oak barrel like unused before or is that something because i know we talked about last Mm -hmm. week a little bit about how you know bourbon needs to be in a charred oak barrel Mm -hmm. fresh like it can't be used for anything else prior yeah Uh, yeah. does it mention whether this was something that was used for some something else yeah so manor hill definitely shares barrels so this this is used from someone else i do not remember where we used them or what was in it or what was in it unfortunately yeah yeah and and also we do different um Different variants, so mm-hmm. that also takes takes the cake on. Uh, not takes the cake. Takes uh, uh, d- determines what kind of beer we're going to end up with, or what, yeah. t- what kind of phenols, what kind of um, dryness we're going to have. Because if it had white wine beer in it before, it's definitely going to come out drier, a little bit more musty, sure. that grapeness. Because I, I did have slow regard a, uh, in a Chardonnay barrel before, and okay. it was a lot more like drinking. It was very dry, um, and in terms of dryness, it, that means. Not like how you know, how do you drink a wet thing and call it dry? It means not sweet. Um, 
and I had that, and it was it was almost like drinking grape juice that left really? you puckering. It was yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very interesting. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. This version I love a lot. So mm-hmm. there you go. So t- talk about the tasting notes a little bit, and then maybe yeah. we've we've mentioned the brewery before, obviously because Michael works there. But if you want to, you know, plug the brewery at all and talk about oh, yeah. what they make in general and what their kind of shtick is, you can also yeah. oh talk okay. About that. Well, I, I want to talk about Manor Hill real quick. <laughs> um, so if you've never been, we're out in the middle of Ellicott City, yeah. Um, and we're on a farm. We have forty cows, twenty chickens, or yeah. And um, look at all those look at chickens. all those chickens. Uh, <laughs> and we actually just got our own corn silo, which is really cool. We actually mm. use some of the produce on site to um, fuel the, our beer production. Mm-hmm. Not you know in a big way. If if we're doing some kind of small batch, we'll definitely use some of that. Um, but most of the farm actually goes towards our restaurants. We have three restaurants. Um, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, yeah. So we own. They're not on property, are they? No, they're not on okay, property. Yeah, yeah. No, we own Food Plenty in Clarksville, Victoria's Gastro Pub in Columbia, and Manor Hill Tavern in in Ellicott City. So yeah. we actually went to Victoria's, didn't we? We did. I did not know that Manor Hill owned that mm-hmm, restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. It's good right. food. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. The fries are amazing. So yeah. mm-hmm. if you're ever in that area, stop by one of our restaurants. Our beer will be served, or stop by the tap room, and I'd love to answer your questions, give you a tour. And we can get more into any itty gritty part of, of beer brewing. Yeah, that's um, a great point, actually. <laughs> Let us, you know, uh, send us a message and ask when he's going to be working behind the bar there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And you can go and get a tour from yeah. Mike at Manor Hill. Uh, what about the tasting notes? Yeah, so so again, the style is grisette. It's a farmhouse Belgian style. It is supposed to be dry. It's supposed to be funky. It's supposed to be... Um, kind of light and mm-hmm. um, not necessarily super effervescent. I mean, the head is there when I pour. Let's do it. Wait, actually, I'm going to try some more. <laughs> and then I'm going to pour. Um, there you go. You get a little bit of a uh, of a foam head. Nothing too crazy, uh, as you can see. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like a pillowy head that you see on a German beer, like sure. a Hefeweizen. Um, Hefeweizen is going to make these bubbles go down a little bit quicker. If you do that color, it's a little hazy. Um Honestly, it's light in the mouth, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then all of a sudden, like my my tongue is is dried out. You know, it's yeah. Honestly, this is a beer that I'll have one of, mm-hmm. and then say, okay, that's um, you know, that kind of it didn't like kick me in the face like an IPA. Mm-hmm. It didn't sit heavy like a stout, but it's just it's it's something because it's so dry. You kind of want something else after. Yeah, you yeah. Know? If you ever had a dry beer, you you don't understand what I mean. Um, it's definitely not, you know, there's no malt backbone like we've been having before with our beers on the show. Um, it's definitely not super hop forward. Um, it's just a very, uh, you know, funky, pl- I don't want to say plain. That's such a bad word mellow to use. Mellow maybe is mellow. A- well, for me, mellow means, you know, like we're going back to like a pillowy and oh, okay. the body itself is enveloping my entire mouth. This isn't mellow because of the fact that it is dry. But, yeah. you know, it depends on how you describe mellow, you know. Yeah. So I guess for me, maybe it's mellow. You never know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, it's great. Uh, definitely go out and check out Manor Hill Brewery and also pick up a um, case of their, I guess, uh, what do you guys sell them in? Six packs? Oh, we sell four packs four and packs six packs, depending on which beer you're asking. Of the Grisette. So mm-hmm. definitely check it out. Yeah. And as always, as we mentioned, let us know what you guys were able to go out and find for your oh, barrel-aged sure. beer. That could be a lot of different things, whether it's a wine barrel like yeah. you mentioned or just a fresh, you know, fresh mm-hmm. oak barrel, fresh... I don't even know what other kind of wood they would use for uh, for for beer, but interesting. Yeah, I guess you I could pretty much use anything you want. So we'll see what you guys are able to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back real quickly um, and maybe spend some time about 
the, the political climate of beer yes. in regard to that episode, because I think it was really fascinating what, what that podcast brought to light. I don't think many people knew that slash know what that might have done to yeah. the scene. I, honestly, if you look up, if you Google Got Beer, Got mm-hmm. Beer campaign or Got Beer project, it doesn't really come up. Mm-hmm. Um, what's actually really funny is that I just Googled it. And it comes up as the New York Beer Project, which is a brewery I just popped over. And that might be because I'm signed in on Google, so they might know that I searched it before. <laughs> but I don't know. But there's not a lot of um, you know beer projects in terms of what the community does together. Yeah. Um, and if you realize, actually in the past 12 months, if you've been watching beer, um, especially in acquisitions, there's been a lot of breweries that have been throw, not throwing in the towel, but actually you know being bought out by bigger Bigger beer, bigger beer. Um, some some big ones. Uh, Dogfish uh, Head, right? Or, yeah, that's they, a big one. They were bought out mm-hmm. recently. Yeah, and a lot of people think, oh my gosh, you know, they they gave up. Um, there mm-hmm. goes their independent label. And yes and no. If you if you look at if you look at the numbers for them specifically, this was the time for them to do it. Um, I'm. You got to remember that they still have freedom to create with their own beer. They just are now under the umbrella of um, a bigger beer. Um, and what's really cool is that Big Beer recognizes that they already have a following. They're not going to touch the recipes. They're not going to. They're not going to ask them to tr- be in another production facility for, you know, their their loggers. You know, they're going to let them operate with most freedom. You know. I hope so. I, th- I think that's the hope. Uh, from my mm-hmm. perspective, I don't love it to be honest with you. I'm not super. F- like a super fan of a brewery like that doing that. I just mm-hmm. don't know whether Yeah, I struggle with the motive a little bit because sure, sure, if you sure. do look at the numbers, it was a pretty good, I don't want to say it was a money grab, but it was very beneficial for them yes, to, yeah. to take that buyout. Um, and also I think there was some of the compensation towards the, uh, the founders of the brewery that was very substantial that, uh, you know, maybe, or maybe not jeopardize mm-hmm. some of their, their, their team. I, I'm not going to make a, a statement on that, but I think that, you know, it, it, I struggle with it because as somebody that appreciates the small aspect of beer, um, I, I don't know. I just hope yeah. that in the long run, 10 years, 15 years down the road, we can look at Dogfish Head and go, yeah, it's the same. You know, I, I think yeah. that we need to be able to, to, we need to see, right? Because I think that there are beers out there. We maybe have lost a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who owns Blue Moon now. Oh, gosh. Are they their own still? No, I don't no, think no, so. No, they, they got bought out. I can't remember. Yeah, but thing like, something head. like For that, some reason, you, you don't think one. of Blue Moon, right? Blue Moon, we talked about them, I think, a little bit in the beginning, but in the first episode or something. But sure, sure. They're, you know, they were kind of the, they were the hipster, you know. Right. Oh, because uh, there's always served with an orange beer. wedge. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a thing, it, too. It was, it, was the, it was the big, like, American, you know, craft beer. And then they've just become blue moon it's like yeah okay yeah it's just a blue moon you know and i don't, I don't knock blue moon. i love blue moon it's my yeah. favorite style of beer a belgian mm-hmm. white beer like that i know a person that by uh when we go out for happy hour she gets that one exclusively there you go i mean it's, it's a totally, great beer totally but like there is a perception of it now that's not you know it's it's available pretty much everywhere you go buy beer mm-hmm. um and, and again maybe this is a weird topic because we're trying to analyze something from the perspective of a consumer mm-hmm but we're trying to think about it from the perspective of the brewer. And that doesn't always make sense in our heads, right? Because it's like we're, we're, we're attacking Blue Moon for literally making a good business decision. <laughs> but that caused thing. a change in our perception of it. So, yeah. you know, where, where do we actually lie? You know, are we, are we, are we going to be happy that it's available everywhere because we like the beer? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to 
say because they did that they sold out and I no longer have that kind of a you know affiliation or um you know draw towards that beer oh sure anymore you know what's really great too is that um you have to think about it like when one of your friends becomes successful mm-hmm. like makes a big break or something or gets promoted to a very senior position you just gotta be happy for them sure and what's really cool is that these small breweries you can visit them and really get to know the mm-hmm. brewers or the owners sometimes and so like a lot of people really knew Sam Calagione the owner of Dogfish Head um they got to know him on a personal level, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he actually came out with a book, which was really interesting. And I, I already read the book before. Um, it's Brewing Up a Business by Sam Calagione. If you haven't read it, fantastic read. It's about his, his journey from, you know, just home brewing at a college party and then all of a sudden doing this. Um, but he, one of his things was it, it's always quality over quantity and you always have to think about the customer. Yeah. And now with him kind of becoming just an arm of big beer is that still going to happen i think it's still going to happen mm-hmm. you know midas touch that's one of their beers that cost them a ton of money to create mm-hmm. um it's it's it, i think what, what did they harvest they harvested the an, an ingredient from like the tomb of king midas like it was insane oh gosh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so so it's it's super expensive for them to make but because of that it's reflected in the price yeah Right. So mm-hmm. are we going to see that beer phased out because it's too expensive for big beer who's now paying for that? You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's where I struggle is the creativity aspect. It's How creativity much creative aspect. license are they going to be given? I know it sounds like they have pretty much the same creative license that they had when they were But how long is that independent. last? How long will it last? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then additionally, I think one thing we, we should talk about here is going back to that ad, you know, mm. Um, and I mentioned this at the beginning, but the health aspect of beer, we haven't really touched on this too much yet, but you know, was any of that ad campaign and I don't, I haven't read anything on this, but my perception of it is that seems to be a direct reaction to a lot of the Seltzer game Oh, because mm -hmm. people our age are, are a lot more health conscious these days. And the Seltzer is a drink that people can go to quite easily that, you know, is no sugar, no calories, calorie. no carbs. It's like, it, yeah, it's it, essentially calories now for a seltzer or so. I'm not even sure it's that high. I think mm-hmm. it's lower, but mm-hmm. like, you might be right, but either way it's low and yes. it's never going to be hot or a beer is never going to be lower than that. Yeah. Well, cause that's things a seltzer doesn't have the carbs that a beer has. Yeah. Cause seltzer doesn't have the sugar that the beer has. So like the challenge um, is how do you get people to still choose the beer option? Mm hmm. You know, knowing fully well that it's not the healthier option. I mean, I can craft a, a, a lot of home brews because they're, you know, Raleigh made at home. They are pushing several hundred calories a mm-hmm. bottle. It's, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. And so when, when you're kind of health conscious, which is a lot of what our, our generation has been, and just really over time, if you look at the numbers, and, and they'll talk about it in this podcast, the desired drink alcohol as a whole has just declined. Yeah. Um, and and beer is being a part of alcohol has declined actually a big chunk of that. Um, so, but people are trying trying to drink um, either less things that'll get them to that state that they want to be when they're drinking alcohol sooner. So that people are actually moving towards spirits like tequila or mezcal. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's also just a hipster thing. It's a millennial mm-hmm. thing to start drinking those t- cocktails, or they're moving towards seltzer. Yeah. And it, it's so funny because uh, in, in in like not even my like I don't want to say my lifetime in the last like. Two years, it went from a stigma of "oh, you drink White Claw" to oh, yeah. "please bring White Claw to my party" because it was like that. It yeah. was like that. It was like that. It was the insane. Perception shifted so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like bringing cases of beer and they're like, "oh, like I'm more into White Claw." And now it's almost 
weird for you to bring beer to a party. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, I brought this up before with you, but, mm. you know, it used to be we would go to a party or we would have people over for a bonfire and, you know, somebody brings a case of beer. Case of, yep. People bring cases of seltzer now. Yeah. Oh, wow. How is the beer scene going to react to that? I really don't know mm-hmm. because um, the only thing I can think of at the moment, maybe just to close this out and you can give your closing point as well. Sure. I think we need to, to get back to, to the root of, of why beer is so diverse and why it's so good. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just literally a better drink. There's, I don't think there's an argument for a seltzer ever combating the quality of a beer, yes. a great craft beer. That's you cannot really beat it. Um, and just from a, maybe a pure like cuisine standpoint, if that's the right word, I don't even know, but like just the flavor profiles, the, uh, the work that goes into making it. Yeah. Um, you're totally uh, the culture right. of it. It's, it's, it's just better. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, as a, as a group, as a, as a, um, as a segment of the alcoholic community, if you will, that's probably the wrong word to use alcohol yeah. community. Um, alcohol drinking community. Exactly. Alcohol drinking community. <laughs> you know, we need to, I don't know, stand up and, and basically say that, no, no, no I'm not going to settle for that simply because I want to get, you know, blasted or something on a weekend. Right. Like the, no, like enjoy mm-hmm. what you're drinking, enjoy it well, enjoy it right. Yeah. Um, and for, I mean, yeah. for those like super health conscious people, we get it. If you're like on a ketogenic diet or something, people say you can have like one Mickey Ultra. That's fine. You're doing something like very different though. Mm-hmm. For those people who are just drinkers, you know, find qual- quality. Quality mm-hmm. is is in beer. You know, and you're not going to find that in a seltzer. No. But anyways, uh, we'd love to talk about this a lot more. There's yes. a lot here because we it's, will it's dive a, into it later. Oh, definitely. But we'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. Um, we can start a whole discussion chain if you want. Um, please hit us up on the YouTube on uh, the YouTube comments. We're getting a lot of love on YouTube, um, and also uh, we'll, we'll allude to this on our Facebook too. So please, yes, let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, real quick, what will the challenge be, Mike, for next week? Oh gosh. Okay, so we're talking about big beer here. We're talking about big beer trying to take it over here. Let's go back to what, what like quality again. Let's talk about the the good aspects of going to your local brewery okay. and supporting them. So I want you for this challenge to go to your local brewery and just have one of their flagships. Tell me about it. Flagship is like one of the beers that they're just going to constantly have on rotation mm-hmm. um, because what they're known for, what they're known for. Exactly. Um, and, or if you, if you're lucky to just walk into a brewery and they're having a bottle release that day or a beer drop, have that. Tell me about it. Um, and I want you actually to bring a crowler home. That's actually going to be for a future challenge I have planned for y'all. Okay. Um, but so of that same beer, uh, sure. If you, if you want that, or if something just really strikes your eye, take it home. You know, support your local uh, local craft brewery and uh, and just enjoy the tap room. Awesome, yeah. love it. So go out to your local brewery, get one of their flagships, and also get a crowler mm-hmm. for a later episode. Or and a we growler, will, go wild. Or a growler, yeah, <laughs> get the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with that, we really thank everybody for joining us on today's episode. We really appreciate all the support as always. Definitely give us a subscription below. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, email us at our email, which is don't stop at gmail.com. And we will see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.